1: irreverent, over the top and smart as a whip. This is the Rob Black show. So a lot of my reading plays into research, right? You've heard of the term fintech. I'm pretty sure you have a pretty good understanding. Fintech stands for financial technology. It's a combo stock. Typically it might be an app on your phone. It might get you a a low-cost loan. It may get you A credit report. It may link your bank accounts to your brokerage account. It may give you an options account to trade on, a FinTech. There's actually something awesome now known as PropTech, and it is exactly what you think it is, a technology-based app typically that helps you get into property. When you see all the VCs who are pitching, they're pitching to their college professors. The college professors are pitching to Wall Street banks And the banks are throwing big money and venture capital type dollars into promising startups. When I take a look at these prop techs, um, they really boomed in 2020, 2021. Um, They're typically apps that help buyers and renters score homes or allow landlords to better manage properties. They can help support firms to construct and manage big buildings. Prop tech pulled in $32 billion of funding last year in venture capital, even as interest rates have started to spike. When I look through the names and the research reports on the fun tech startups, it tells me we're solving a lot of white collar problems. Um, let me give you some examples. There's a company called Alto. It's A-A-L-T-O. They're allowing homebuyers to sell directly to buyers by uploading their listings to its site rather than multiple listing service, MLS. It likes to say it allows sellers to list their homes in five minutes rather than five weeks it takes to list on MLS. That doesn't sound all that disruptive. They're trying to disrupt the MLS system, which does need disrupting for sure. Uh, Trying to greatly change the process of buying and selling a home. Get the fees out of buying it's selling a home. That's who's going to win a lot. There's a company called The Long Home, who is a fund tech uh, portfolio, uh, port tech. Um, I mean, they offer digital property management for landlords. Now here's a tricky one for them. They're giving 3% back, which goes to a down payment in the future on a home. But tenants must buy it through Belong Homes app and their platform. So it's matching landlords with renters. And you get to save 3% to buy a home in the future. 3% of your rent goes to the down payment. That gets into legal dicey scenarios really, really quickly. How is that cash going to be held? And is it even flat out legal in the first place? Um, again, taking a look at some of these companies, you quickly go, huh, I, I don't see that as changing the world. Um, Interra, it's an AI platform to help investors buy more homes. Intera uses artificial intelligence to help institutional residential real estate investors buy single family homes to rent out in 29 markets from Florida to Nevada. So in theory, my, my, the guy who's working at the radio station right now, he's pushing some buttons. He can be on his phone, pushing some buttons and buying rental properties. Um, the company helps because they're going to help manage the properties, which are single family rentals. And certainly we see there is a market for single family rentals, but did we really need an app to solve this one? There's an app called Urgeon. They build fences literally It's a San Francisco based startup, which employs 350 people using proprietary technology to help property owners build and maintain fences in Georgia, California and and, uh, Texas. It's just trying to connect property owners with local contractors. And it's trying to do a lot of the technology like satellite computer aided design modeling CAD real-time pricing to allow customers to make decisions remotely on fencing projects. You're like, Do we really need that one? Flex is an interesting one. Um, The founder is an incredibly young-looking person. Very attractive. Flex allows renters to make payments throughout the month. Again, do we really need this problem solved? And do we really need venture capital to throw Five and a half million, six million dollars at the founder. A lot of people would prefer not to pay their rent in one lump sum, but would rather make payments throughout the month. Flex foots the amount owed to the landlord by the first of the month that it allows its users to make multiple payments instead of one to pay it all back. It's a model similar to buy now, pay later. I that just seems like it's solving a problem that we don't really need solved. There's a company called Humming Homes. They let homeowners request maintenance help as if they were renters. Um, I see that. As a homeowner, sometimes I'm like, who do you call if a pool has a crack in it? I've never called that person. Is it a pool crack person? Is it a plumber? Who is it? There's some projects that I get in over my head. I've got some grout outside that um, is in between stones, and I've never replaced grout in between stones. I've done grout work inside a home. I've never done grout work outside a home. But do I really need Humming Homes, who's pulled in over $8 million, to have essentially on-call residential property management to home ownership? They can clean my gutters. I know who to call. Do I really need to pay a service to pull future services together for me? You can see how it's a plus for some people. You can see how it's overkill for others, right? There is a a company called Inspectify. And yes, this is going to be a word on inspection, home inspection. They can make or break moment by moment in any home buying deal. The inspection, it has to be done. It has to be right. Inspectify streamlined every step of the process from booking a local inspector to delivering to digitized reports quickly. I, I don't see that as really too much of a problem. Okay, yes, the guy who did my home inspection, guy named Chip, I actually like having my home inspected every five to 10 years uh, to have someone come out and spend $300 to go through everything and say, oh, your water heater is going to last two more years. Oh, your roof's is going to last four more years. Um, But that is a luxury. It's not you know, a perk in my life, so to speak. <laughs> it's a luxury to have people tell me how long... Certain appliances are going to last and how the foundation's aging and such. Um, yeah. And I think we've all had, if you've ever bought a home, you've dealt with an inspector and yeah, they can be a little tough to get on the calendar. And yeah, they can be a little tough to get their report to you. But is this something that we need a platform for? Or is this, you know, school in school of businesses, MBAs saying we're running out of ideas to fix. There's nothing on this prop tech list that jumps out to me and says, this is going to be the, the one, even the one that allows you to put 3% to saving for a down payment. Great idea, but you can do that on your own in theory. Here's one where again, an incredibly good looking founder, i.e. young person who is in college. Kindred, a home swapping network. They offer a network for home swapping between members who only pay a $300 annual fee and a $30 service fee per booking plus cleaning cost. So it offers a high trust, low cost alternative to Airbnb. And I don't get it. Okay. So I have a nice place in uh, the mountains and you have a nice place in the desert. We can swap with each other. Am I going to pay $300 for that? Eh. I get it because it's property owner to property owner, so we're more likely to respect each other's property. Eh, Is that a problem that needs to be solved? I just don't feel it. This is one of the problems that I see. Is what sort of problems are we solving? Um, There's a company called Latchel, which is software for landlords to handle broken parts of or problems. So you have a busted water heater. Is the air conditioning not working right? Latchel is a property management maintenance software that makes it easier for landlords of single family homes to fix broken amenities for their tenants. It also has staff to answer questions and solve problems right in the middle of the night so landlords don't have to do it. I have a property management company. I don't like paying them 8%, but I do because I don't have to answer any questions in the middle of the night. And every six months they go to my property and they, they take pictures and they're like, oh, uh, we see you got a." Some wood rot on your porch. We we recommend replacing that. I'm like, good idea. You do that. Um, Don't have the tenant call me. They're calling you, right? And that's the answer. That's the way I want it. Here's another startup called Lula, a one-stop shop for property maintenance for people or companies that own many single-family rentals. It allows tenants to submit requests, connects building managers with local service providers, handles scheduling, and supports real-time updates and photos. Again, I just don't see that as a problem that needs to be solved. It's a problem out there for sure, but I don't see the big dollars behind the venture capital thinking this is going to change the world. You find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black. Thanks for listening to the show. A straightforward approach to managing your money, The Rob Black Show. Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial money invested in more. Most of my day is spent in some sort of research position, whether I'm reading big old technical briefs or the future of technology or analyst reports out of the manufacturing in China, whether I'm reading the local business journals in Atlanta to see what businesses are starting, what businesses are closing. I I'm always brushing up on research. One of the things that I enjoy immensely is podcast. I think um I regularly share on this show that this show is on a podcast, of course. It's been around for many, many years on a podcast. One of my original producers is a guy named Ken. We're gonna get to Ken in just a second. Um what are your podcasts? What are your ways of sucking down financial content? I do not do CNBC. I don't find it to be worth my time. But I do find the Prof G report pretty good. I do find some uh, interview shows out there to be lovely. Mark Marin does WTF. I think he is probably the best interviewer since Letterman was on TV. Let's bring in one of my guilty pleasures. It's Mac OS Ken. It's a daily podcast covering Apple news and products related to Apple. It's hardware, it's services, it's retail, it's much, much more. Starting in 2006, it's 10 to 20 minutes a day. Ken from Mac OS Ken worked with me in radio 20 plus years ago. How are you, Ken? 20 plus years ago.
2: I want to hang up on you just for saying that.
1: Now, let's just say you have a dry uh, observer's opinion. So... when people
2: hear you, they may not be used to your delivery. Oh, so. that's true. I'm very happy to be here, Rob. Thank you very much. And I love the fact that it's been 20 years. <laughs> there you go. That's better. So
1: <laughs> people can find Mac OS Ken where they get podcasts. You also started a new one that I saw, oddly enough, on LinkedIn. I was like, hey, reach out to Ken, listen to the podcast, see see what I think. So you're still doing this. You're still very successful at it. You just started the Mac Observers which is the Daily Observations podcast. It's an old show with a new host. It's discussion on everything Apple. It's MacObserver.com and mm-hmm. Um, 20 years of covering Apple. Um, that's quite a push. I think, obviously, the biggest first question we have is Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, uh, because that covers that 20-year time period. Uh, what have you seen in the history of Apple as it's evolved in, in your eyeballs?
2: Um. Uh, well... I mean, Steve Jobs, Tim Cook, I'm honestly, I'm more interested, more concerned, whatever. Not worried, but curious to see what happens next. Because everybody said, okay, Steve Jobs is the idea guy. Tim Cook is the execution guy. When NCOO Jeff Williams, they've got, people refer to him as Tim Cook's Tim Cook. But, you know, Tim Cook has some of the Steve Jobs vision. What happens to the guy after the guy? I guess is kind of the thing that I wonder about. As far as... I don't know. I think I think finally what 11 years later, 12 years later, 11 I think, we're finally past the part of uh, everybody saying, "Oh, well, Steve wouldn't have done it this way, and can Apple survive without Steve?" Um as far as the as far as the change, I don't know. I mean, there was this this feeling that every time Steve Jobs introduced something, you know, it was going to be amazing, and then I always want to remind people there was the uh you know the iPod Socks and the iPod Hi-Fi, both of which were introduced by Steve Jobs. Neither of which went anywhere. Although I hear the Hi-Fi still works great if you can find somebody who has one. I think there's also something called a Newton, which was a tablet before the tablet. Well, that was uh, before Steve Jobs, though. Too, he came back and killed that. Okay, got yeah. it. got it. So, um, as far as what, as far as what Tim Cook has introduced, since the big category, of course, is Apple Watch, which I think a lot of people. I had this one friend who was a developer who said. Tim Cook raised his arms in victory when he introduced that. I'm not sure what he was raising his arms for. And of course, you know, seven years later, I guess I'm on my third one. And um, it has, it is a device that has certainly changed people's thinking about a lot of this stuff. Now it's the number number one selling watch in the world. I know, which is crazy,
1: right? It's it's crazy to put it that way. (laughs) It makes Rolex look, look cheap almost.
2: It's insane. And I don't, I would love to figure out exactly what that is, except I just told you a minute ago, it's, I'm on my third one. There are things about it that I wish were different. I wish it were as classy as a Rolex, but, you know, they've got the California face, which I think looks awesome. And you can change your band in 30 seconds or less. And unlike a Rolex, it'll let you know when you're about to die or it'll do its best to anyway, which is one of my favorite things about it. Thankfully, that hasn't happened yet. Hasn't What's that? told amazing? me that.
1: Huh? With the with the augmented reality, the next big thing has been you know brewing inside the watch and in, inside the AirPods. Mm-hmm. Um, how do you feel about where they they stand to be evolved? Like AirPods should probably be doing our body temperature at this point in time. It mm-hmm. feels like something. This the, the what we're getting isn't that great.
2: <laughs> okay. I don't know how to respond to that. I I did a thing um yesterday, well no today, excuse me, on Mac OS Can and actually on the Daily Observations podcast about uh-huh. the little magical things that happen inside the Apple, uh inside the Apple ecosystem. Um Mark Gurman, I think it was, wrote a thing yesterday talking about how not dynamic Dynamic Island is. And, you know, you can argue about that. For people who don't know, Dynamic Island is. There's been this notch at the top of the screen since uh, the introduction of the iPhone 10, and that is to accommodate the FaceTime camera. Right. And people complain and complain and complain and say it's the ugliest thing in the world, and Steve Jobs never would have done that, and da-da-da-da-da. And then with uh, the introduction of iOS, no, I guess with the iPhone 14 and iPhone 14 Pro, excuse me, the Pro and the Pro Max, They've introduced something called Dynamic Island, which basically turns that little notch into a teeny tiny little screen where you can find all kinds of relevant information, everything from uh, sports scores to who you're on the phone with to what music is playing right now. And it's this neat little thing that's just going to sit there for a bit until developers really find what to do with it and do that thing with it. There are things that. When you put a certain color case onto your iPhone, your 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 screen pulses in that color. With the okay. with the AirPods Pro, the new ones, when you pair them to your phone, if you've got something inscribed on the front of it, it's not just showing you you have AirPods uh, uh, paired to your phone. You've got uh, the thing that is inscribed on the front as well. That's engraved on the front as well. So if you're throwing up the P sign on the front of your AirPods Pro, that's showing up on your screen. And there are all these little magical things that happen, none of which are the thing, but every one of which just makes the whole ecosystem. First of all, much more informed about you because I just told you that your phone is smart enough to know what color your case is and which of those AirPods are yours. It's showing you exactly what's happening in your life, not just that something is happening. But the other thing is, this stuff just this stuff just evolves. I mean, you say we should have more from all this stuff than we did before. That today's Apple Watch is leagues away from where the initial apple watch was and i'm not even talking about the apple watch ultra which is the one that you can take a uh, you know diving and climbing and probably going to space or Still, something i don't know
1: feels a little overkill but i'm hearing you. i'm picking up what you're putting down well um i just i, I would i i want the diabetes monitor i want the the, the thermostat it's sure yeah. it's kind of the way we work and if google beats us beats us me and you are apple users i'm an apple investor you're an apple investor uh, we're going to be pissed. We're not going to be happy that Google beat us. So there's <laughs> some high shoes to fill, so to speak.
2: I don't know. I don't know that I agree. I mean, because you're so into the ecosystem. Once you're into the ecosystem, I mean, there are things. Yeah, I don't know that I agree. I think if you see something that something else is doing, it's a place that Apple's going to go. Chances are, though, you're not going to worry about it because it's so pretty and it fulfills so many other you know things that you want to do in your life.
1: And they're becoming cliche, getting the Super Bowl halftime show. It's <laughs> Mac OS Ken. You can find him online at macosken.com or wherever you get podcasts. You can also find his new podcast, Mac Observer. He does this for a living. It's a pretty cool gig. I've known him for many, many years. He's a good human being. It's MacOSKin.com and macobserver.com. We'll keep him around for another segment on AR VR. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. I start my day typically 4.35. To be honest with you, I'm always looking for ideas and thoughts on how we can humanize investing and get you to retirement. There was a story out of the PR world this weekend about Apple getting into India as a manufacturing play. Um, And I go, okay, that's I get it. We saw what COVID did. We saw Chinese cities get shut down. Um, Zero COVID policies are different in obviously Asia than they are in the United States and we didn't maybe like that hiccup, but we dealt with the hiccup and Apple seemed to be in a better position than others to deal with the hiccup, but now Foxconn's expanding and um there can be manufacturing devices. And don't ask me to pronounce this. Uh Sripper Rumbur Duar factory in the outskirts of Chennai. That's as close as I'm gonna get to that one correctly. And then I think of I bet I'm gonna hear on one i I bet I'm gonna hear this on one of Ken's podcasts. The Mac OS Ken. He is a daily reporter covering Apple news, news related to Apple hardware, software, services, and much more. He started in 2006. He's been able to string together many, many, many shows for many, many weeks for many, many years, all about Apple. Um, I find it in my day. I find it in my routine because he's going to say something that's going to get me interested or compelled to like think about a different type of possibility. Ken, you also got Mac Observer and Mac OS. Ken, any other
2: podcast you're working on that we need to be aware of? Well, sure. Uh, I do a podcast for a security company called Secure Mac called the checklist. And it's a weekly thing where it's basically just going over some security stories. Sometimes they're big stories of the week, other times it's just ways to keep yourself safe online, which um we used to talk about protecting your digital life, but you know, now what's the difference between your digital life and you remember when apple had the reputation of never having viruses has that been put to rest uh i hope so i think so i think it gives people a false sense of security but i don't know a lot of times the problem isn't viruses a lot of time is problem is believing whoever calls you on the phone or you know that email that somebody sent you it's more than just the virus and malware thing although that's a huge part of it as well and i hope yes i hope that that's been put to rest because Otherwise, people just go blindly online and start clicking things.
1: When you look at Apple, they're a big company and they expand into many countries: Indonesia, Vietnam, and India. Mm-hmm. It may not be what you first think about when you think of Apple. You may be thinking about the tech campus in Silicon Valley. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you think about Tim Cook's um, ever-reaching uh, manufacture iPhones in India? Probably equals sells more iPhones in India as well as diversify outside of China.
2: He's For a sure. smart guy. Yeah i mean uh, india i I don't know if this is accurate, and you could probably argue with me on the accuracy of it, but i always I've started referring to India as Apple's next China just because you think back to what was happening in China, they were building phones in China, but all of those phones were being exported, and then you know something like a middle class grows up in various parts of China, and all of a sudden China is the second most important market for iPhone for Apple. I shouldn't say all of a sudden it wasn't, you know, an overnight success years in the making. We're watching that happen now in India, it seems to me. And and again, you know more about the financial side than I do. Just watching the Apple side of it, though, there has been this push. I mean, as you mentioned, you don't want all of your eggs in one basket with China, partly because of zero COVID, partly because of, you know, on again, off again tensions with uh, the U.S. and the rest of the world. And so they start looking at other places like, you know, they're going to be building a, not a majority, but a large portion of AirPods in Vietnam by 2025, they're going to be building a large portion of MacBooks in Vietnam by 2025. And a note that we saw last week said that they're hoping to have 25 percent of all iPhones built in India by 2025. There have been some problems. I think it was last year or the year before. I can't remember which. There was a Whistram plant that ended up getting closed down because uh, the food that they were feeding people uh, turns out had bugs in it, and they weren't paying people on time. And there was a little riot. Okay, there are some obviously some problems that need to be worked out there. At the same time, they are moving forward uh, trying to uh, trying to manufacture more there. Partly, I think, because they do want to diversify the supply chain. But you have iPhone growing. Quarter after quarter, they say we've sold more iPhones in India than we've ever sold before. The thing is, if you're starting with five and you double that to 10, I mean, you can still make that statement. But every time they say it, they're saying it's growing more, it's growing more, it's growing more. Every iPhone that gets imported into India has a huge tariff on it that keeps people of a certain economic strata. I mean, honestly, most people in India, obviously, but from being able to afford it. You build those phones in India, you don't have that import tariff, and suddenly more people can start buying them. And iPhone is an aspirational aspirational product. We used to talk about iPhone, excuse me, because everything's an I. We used to talk about iPad being the halo device that would get you into everything else. Tim Cook on the last earnings call said, "Uh, iPhone is that now. I wish I had the exact quote in front of me, but it was something to the effect of, uh, we we tend to be able to grow. It tends to be one of our starter products, basically in emerging markets, and that's insane because you're talking about an emerging market of a billion people. No. It's it's the next China for for Apple, which is uh, both in terms of their manufacturing and uh, potential sales.
1: With that being said, let me correct a small. Please Angle do. On Please Indi- do. India is much more educated than China, and they've got a much more developed. Um... Um, economic system. So they're 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 not the next China. They're kind of like China. Uh, yeah. Maybe maybe they're the, the next Australia, which is the next U.S. <laughs> it is <laughs> a better way of, of funneling into a, a funnel that we don't need to funnel into.
2: Really quickly, I did say Apple's next China. I'm not. I mean, I mean, just just from that. I would. Say,
1: oh no! India is such a big country, and it's it's got so many misperceptions. It's not as poor as we think
2: it is, right? Because
1: we do a bad job on Western TV depicting That's what true. India is or isn't. It's not all slum dog millionaire.
2: Yeah, um, no, it's terrible. Everything I learned about India was from what? Uh, what that Indiana Jones movie? It's horrible. It's, yes, our our depictions of other places are are really kind of gaslighting. Right. We're
1: all fall. Uh, we all fall for that one. So, um, let's talk augment, augmented reality, virtual reality. Mm-hmm. Um, Facebook and Zuckerberg has this Quest to Oculus thing mm-hmm. that that's doing pretty well, but it's also the only player out there. It doesn't have a lot of cords to it. The Sony PlayStation VR is probably gonna have some cords to it.
2: Um, what do you think Apple's working on? What do, What are you hearing leaking so far? I hear nothing leaking. And Mike, Michael Gartenberg, who used to work for Jupiter and then went to work for Apple and now is sort of outside of all of it, I think, said to me in an interview one time, uh, you'll never be the imaginary Apple product, that it's always going to be the best thing ever. And so I'm looking, I'm very much looking forward to what happens with AR and VR from Apple. There have been arguments, though, it's going to be connected to a phone. No, it's not going to be connected to a phone. It's going to be standalone. I mean, the things that excite me about it are... First of all, they have uh, tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of developers champing at the bit to make something for their next hardware thing. The other thing is even without you know the visionary who was Steve Jobs, their hardware tends to be top-notch. The thing I'm most excited about though is the thing I haven't even mm-hmm. thought of yet. We, we, t- we talked about the watch a minute ago. The watch has surprised since the watch was introduced. And the AR, VR thing can't can help but do that. Let me wrap too, it up
1: there. We'll save more for another show. You can find Mac OS Ken at Mac OS Ken or wherever you get podcasts. Another podcast he just started up, MacObserver.com. I listen to these. They're in my day. They're part of my routine. They're insights into what's happening to Apple. MacOSKen.com, MacObserver.com. The Rob Black Show is brought to you by EP Wealth. Learn more about EP's unique approach to managing wealth at RobBlackShow.com. So that was Ken from Mac OS Ken. Obviously a play on Mac OS 10. He's been around a while because he goes back that far. I do listen to podcasts um, late in the day. I try to find something that's kind of in the world by, of business, but not in the world of finance in any way, shape, or form. Also, kind of like a podcast that I should, probably shouldn't mention called I, I I Don't Know a Lot About That And it's um, by Jim Jeffries. And let's just say he's colorful. And he always talks about interesting things like uh, nanotechnology or robotics. And he teaches us a lot during the journey. Podcaster, interesting to me. If you have a favorite one, drop me an email. Rob at robblackshow.com. It's rob at robblackshow.com. You can find Ken at macosken.com. Let's talk about the capital markets and they're filled with angst. Interesting to note that I'm starting to see the VIX move a little bit higher. It's a fear gauge. A measure of fear in stocks hit its highest level in three months amidst mounting fears over rising rates, a possible currency calamity, and a recession. Um, VIX hit its highest level since June. We need it to get to 40. If it gets to 40, that's when I say people throw in the towel and that's the time to buy. And I've been waiting for it all year, and we still haven't gotten there even as of yet, but it's the CBOE volatility index. It hit a reading of 32.70 today, 32.88 is the intraday high. 52-week high is almost 39, 38.94. That's where we need to get to. It, It would just be another sign that, yeah, we hit the fear level. Yeah, people did quit. A lot of volatility in the capital markets amidst lots of anxiousness. Again, currency markets, sovereign bond markets, stock markets aren't exactly in the best shape. This is happening in other markets contributing to anxiousness that it's a global issue and not just a US issue. You saw the British pound hit a record low against the dollar. Basically, looking at a possibility of parity after UK chancellor courting said over the weekend that there's more to come in terms of fiscal stimulus offerings. Maybe they're solving their problems wrong by trying to stimulate out of a recession. A little bit of Reaganomics playing on there. The Bank of England is going to step in soon with emergency rate hike to help defend the currency. Japan intervened last week to help defend the yen. India has now reportedly intervened to help support the rupee. China's raised the required reserve ratio on currencies uh, Ford sales by bank to banks by twenty percent to curb the wands depreciation. The best investment's the dollar. Like aren't we the country that prints our way out of trouble? a lot of other countries do too. That was not a story anyone had at the start of the year. The scope of the decline, coupled with reports highlighting extremely bare sentiment readings and high put to call ratios, is raising the potential for contrarian minded rally. Rates are up again this morning. Two-year Treasury yield sits at four point two three percent. Hit four point three percent overnight. The ten-year Treasury sits at three point seven five. It hit three point eight last night. So we don't get to talk a lot about currencies on this show. I've never found a really great way of explaining uh, strong dollar, weak dollar. It's a great time to go to Europe because things are cheaper considerably and um, extreme bear sentiment right now is being seen as a contrarian indicator moderation in treasury yields from earlier highs seen that they don't fix themselves but there's a lot to be said to let interest rates do what they do and the fed Engineering interest rates rises and falls with buying of our own debt seems to be financial engineering. And that doesn't come with a, that slang isn't good. That sling is negative. There's upside leadership from mega cap stocks today. There's anxiousness about the dollar, big anxiousness about the dollar that I haven't seen in the media reports like this in years. Vanguard. Mega cap growth index is up today as people are saying, you know, companies like Google and Apple have a lot of those American dollars. Strength day in consumer discretionary information, tech, communication services, weakness in real estate, energy, utilities, and healthcare. It's interesting if you, I had to pick three sectors to invest in for the next year, showing you a very short-term mind approach to the stock market. I would say energy, healthcare, and financials. And if you really want to go safety, I'd go utilities. But if you were to say what three sectors will outperform the market in the next year, I would say energy, healthcare, and financials. Um, other stories of note, Planet Fitness got an upgrade to Strong Buy. I don't know how I feel about that one. Is that it's an end of the pandemic story? It kind of feels like it's an end of the pandemic story. And then you're seeing the CEO at Unilever saying that he's going to retire at the end of next year. That's kind of big news. It's a reminder that success or failure starts at the top. and um, It's just a reminder. Unilever... It's kind of a boring company. They kind of make a lot of little things like food. They're not going out of business anytime soon. Yeah, there'll be some currency problems. But it's a good reminder of things that you could put in your portfolio that some people are wanting not to put in their portfolio. (sighs) One of the most important things you can get in investing is a head start. If you could start in your 20s, you're going to be much better off than if you start in your 30s or 40s, much better off. And one of the best ways to start in your 20s is a 401k plan. It's an employer-sponsored plan. It allows working individuals to set aside a percentage of your paycheck. The plan can come in two different forms, the traditional 401k and the less common Roth 401k. Many employers match employee contributions, giving you free cash or a raise of one, two, or 3% this year. As long as it's going into your 401k, they're helping you help yourself. A 401k is a special investment account. It's from the IRS code back in 1978 when Congress passed the Revenue Act. Working individuals were given an opportunity to avoid paying taxes on deferred compensation, such as bonuses or stock options. The 401k really didn't catch on until 1980s when Wall Street said, hey, we can make some money on this product. That's when the IRS came up with rules to allow taxpayers to set aside payroll deductions in their 401k. Approximately 4.8 million people had access to a 401k back in 1983. Now it's the number one way to save for retirement. 70% of employees offer participation in a 401k immediately when you start with a company. 20% of employers require employees to be working for at least a year to receive matching contributions. 54% of employers offered automatic enrollment in 401k plans. Um, We should have automatic enrollment in 401k plans. There are some countries that do it as when you work, you save for your retirement. Um, New Zealand does that, for instance. It's the Kiwi Savers plan. I would love if America kind of adapted that mentality. Because if you're forced to save a little bit, it adds up to a lot. Um, so your 401k is probably the most effective way to save for retirement. And yet we get frustrated when the markets are down. Best thing I did this year was put $18,500 into my 401k. I got some matching from my corporation, EP Wealth. Uh, not like 6%, but like 3%, a little bit more. Um... The annual limits are important to know, but not important to dwell on. You can contribute a maximum of 20500 to a 401k during the 2022 tax year. That's an increase from $19,500. It's set in 2021. If you're 50 or older, you can do another $6,500. That's where it starts getting a little bit wonky. Now, a match typically is going to be 1% to 3%. And sometimes it's going to depend on if you're vested. I like the dollar cost averaging of a 401k. I bought it at the start of the year. Then I bought when the markets were down 3%. Then I bought when the market was down 6%. Then I bought when the market was down 8%. So I keep buying on the way down. And for me, that'll be important in years two, three, four, and five, when the stock market returns back to a normalized market, we're not going to go down 30% each year for the rest of our lives. So... The bottom line is don't pass up the opportunity to save for retirement if your employer offers a 401k plan. The best thing you can do is get in early, and the the matching is free money, in my opinion. Many employers offer as much as 50 cents on the dollar, up to 6% of your salary. Turning down free money doesn't make sense in the world. Um, It's one of the reasons I use credit card points that are aggressive. So I just got a Verizon card tied towards my Verizon phone account, and that gives me four percent on groceries and four percent on restaurants. I can live with that. That's that's better than the three percent. Um, now it only goes to offset your phone bill, which then I start coming into the question of: Does Verizon have the best pricing? And I pretty regularly go through my bills and talk to the subscriptions that I'm on and see if I can't get preferred pricing. It's funny how often a 800 phone call will work in your favor if you threaten to f- uh, quit a service or quit a subscription, which is something corporations don't like because cost of acquisition is expensive. Find me online at Roblox Show, Twitter, Roblox Show, YouTube, Roblox Show.